to young people. I enjoyed being at the camp. My wife and I were there most all week uh, this week, and uh, these are six of the uh, camp workers, four of the pretty ones, two of the ugly ones, and uh, anyway, I appreciate them so very much. Titus chapter 2, please, and verse number 7 uh, will be a verse I'll call your attention to. And I'm going to preach uh, two sermons tonight. Now, that may be better received if I say I'm going to preach two 17-minute sermons. To qualify that, it doesn't sound as long. Or I'm going to preach a truth in the first part, and then I'm going to give you illustrations of that truth in the second part. Verse number 7, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. I'm preaching tonight on the subject, Be Thou an Example of the Believers. Now, when everybody's set up, don't lay down and go to sleep. You'll, you'll go to sleep if you lay down there. Set up so you can listen to me now. I want you to hear me. And then I'm going to preach five things I learned from my father. Five things I learned from my father. You can take either title or both. And as I remember 50 years ago, uh, the life and work of my dad. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. I believe the message to be very important tonight. And I pray, Lord, that we would give our attention, uh, Lord, to every word and word of God that we hear tonight. Fill me with your power, I pray in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Uh, the Bible is filled, or the Bible is truth, and the Bible is filled with truth to live by. Uh, we are blessed to have truth, to have principles, to have precepts, to have statutes, to have guidelines to live by. The world rebels against all of those things. That's why there's no normalcy in the world. Uh, there is no standard. There is no normalcy because they have rejected uh, the truths of the Word of God. I'm glad that I do not have to be controlled in my life, in my home, and in our church by the culture and the direction of the world. I can live by the truths, the principles, the precepts, the statutes, and the guidelines of the Word of God. Now, not only are we given these truths and principles and precepts, we are told of men and women who lived out those truths and principles and precepts. And the Bible gives us the result of what happened to those that lived in that manner. Those that applied the truths of the Word of God in front of their generation, a life that could be a pattern, as verse number 7 says, for others to follow. You be careful about those that say, well, you don't want to follow men. Well, who do we follow then? Now, 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 I'm not saying we don't follow Christ. But we must follow men and women who follow Christ. And that's exactly what Titus said. And that is not worshiping a, a person. And I'm not interested in worshiping a person, but I am interested in worshiping the Christ that those people follow. For example, the Bible teaches meekness, but Moses exemplified the principle of meekness in his leadership. And so we read about, we learn about meekness in the Bible. I love the word meekness. It is not weakness. Meekness is power 
under control. Uh, they could have uh, they could have brought damage to those that were against them, but they controlled their power and in their meekness uh, they led according. Uh, I'm not going to teach a lesson on meekness or don't want to, uh, but but they led according to the ability of the father uh, of the follower. Moses was a leader of meekness. Abraham was a man of faithfulness. Abraham is a picture of faithfulness. Noah is a man that is a picture of faith in God. Joshua, a man of courage. He lived out to courage. Elijah, a man of action. Nehemiah, a man of vision. Paul, a man of commitment and obedience. Timothy, a man of trust. Barnabas, a man of encouragement. John, uh, John, a man of steadfastness. Our Lord Jesus, an example of every single truth and principle of the Word of God. Now, many people would never know a truth from the Word of God unless they saw that truth lived out in a person. And the Bible is teaching us here and in other places that you and I are not just supposed to know the truth and know the principle and know the precept, but we are to live it out and set forth a pattern for a next younger generation to follow. We are told in the Word of God uh, to not only follow godly examples of faith and obedience, we are taught to be an example of faith and obedience. It encourages us, it challenges us even to hear uh, Brother Bob Jones lead in prayer. 80 years of age, faithfully served the Lord all of his life. That's what faithfulness looks like. That is an example of faithfulness uh, to us. John 13, 15, the Bible says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. 1 Timothy 4, 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. James chapter 5, verse number 10, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. When I say suffering, affliction, and of patience, who's the first person you think of? We think of Job, a man that suffered affliction, and yet he was patient with God. He did not lose faith or hope or trust in God. And so living examples help us to see and know how to pattern, how to follow and live out that truth in our lives. Titus 2, 7, I read again, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. You may say, it's no business to anybody else how I live. That's not what the Bible says. Paul said to Timothy, the young man, he said, you as a young man be an example of the believers. Are you listening to me tonight? He said, folks are watching you and they should be able to watch you. 
We need a generation of standard bearers, those that are examples of the truth that others can see and others can say, I'm glad I can see Christ in them. I can see the truths and principles and precepts lived in their lives. 2 Timothy 3.14 But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. It's interesting to note that Paul told Timothy to continue in the things. What were those things? Those were the truths. Those were the precepts. Those were the principles that he had learned and been assured of, but also knowing of whom he had learned them. Who did he learn them from? Well, he learned them from his mother. He learned them from his grandmother. He learned them from the apostle Paul. In fact, Paul mentioned the faith and the faithfulness of his mother and his grandmother. I believe Timothy knew truth from Bible teaching of his mother and grandmother. I believe he was assured of those truths when he saw them lived out in their lives. We ought to thank the Lord for the godly examples of truth that are lived out before us. And we ought to learn to be, we ought to desire to be, we ought to recognize that we are to be an example of truth in the lives of others. You teenagers, listen to me. Those toddlers that are walking around here, they're paying attention not just to what you say. They don't know what you believe, but they do see what you do and they're following your behavior in what you do. They see your respect or lack thereof. They see your obedience or lack thereof. So everybody ought to be an example of the truth that we know in the Word of God. I'm thankful for those good and godly examples. Now, there may be some uh, that would say, well, uh, I don't believe in idol worship. I don't either. But I sure am thankful for those that live the way Christ said we ought to live. Now, the Bible is filled with that. In fact, you could not, you could not understand truth if you did not have the examples given from Genesis and the life of Moses uh, to John and the book of Revelation without all of those lives living out what they were supposed to live and how they were supposed to live a life of faith in God. Now for the second sermon, and the first one didn't take as long as I thought it would. You listen well. Fifty years ago, my dad today started Bible Baptist Church in Hazard, Kentucky. As Timothy learned from Paul and Paul's teaching and Paul's life, I learned so much from my dad and my mom in those years. The church started in 1972, and my dad was a pastor until 1985. My dad was saved at the Red Hill Baptist Church around 1960 or 1961. He was saved as a teenager, and in that church, my grandfather helped to build the building of that little missionary Baptist church. My dad served in that church for a little while before he started the Bible Baptist Church. My mom and dad married in September of 1963, and they then went to the Dayton 
uh, Ohio area uh, where his brothers and, and uh, family had gone for work. And they say a lot of folks were going to Detroit. Half of them ran out of gas in Dayton, and that's where they settled. And uh, some made it to Detroit and some to Dayton. And uh, they, they did very well. All of their families had good jobs and worked and provided uh, for their families. Now, my dad got out of church. In fact, he terribly backslid on the Lord. And as he would tell it, he was a miserable person away from the Lord. He was a miserable person, and nobody is happy outside the will of God. You can lie to yourself, you can lie to others, but you're not enjoying life outside the will of God. There is no joy outside the will of God. So around 1969, uh, somewhere in that year, uh, my dad got right with God. Uh, Brother Clyde Jones Jr., who was a graduate of uh, BBC, uh, the uh, Bible Baptist Fellowship uh, group of churches in Springfield, Missouri, he had graduated in 1950, and Brother Clyde Jones Jr. Uh, looked to me like Moses, I imagine Moses to look. Uh, he had snow white hair uh, all the time I knew him. He's in heaven now. Uh, he married, uh, did the ceremony for my wife and I and uh, our marriage. And he stayed after my dad. He would visit him week after week and would make him mad. He didn't want him to visit him. But finally, he got my dad to come to church. He made him really mad when he preached. He said, that preacher's been following me around all week and he preached against all my sins in one sermon. I'll never go back. But after visiting him and encouraging him, and now my mom had taken me to church uh, without my dad. And, and you remember before my dad went, mom took a, a Bible, she took a purse, and she took a switch. Uh, that was for me, the switch was. And uh, she used it in terrible child abuse. Uh, I thought about a lawsuit, but the statute of limitations had probably expired now. But anyway, uh, uh, my dad got right with God, and I'm glad he did. He got involved in church, and he gave his life to God completely. I mean, he volunteered for anything and everything he could do, and God called him to preach. In 1972, uh, just a little before that, uh, they moved back to southeast Kentucky, and in July 1972 started the Bible Baptist Church. They rented an upstairs classroom in the old grade school building at Chavez. And uh, that old building, I guess, is still standing. I went to school there in the second and third grade. They built a new school, and they've gone on, and that, that building now belongs to uh, Gospel Light Baptist Church for my brother as a pastor and uh, just amazing uh, work that God did in his life. He started in 1972 and went to 1985. They had a high day of 1,000 in Sunday school and church. That was a high day. They averaged right at 500 for some time. And he, uh, my dad, would not just, uh, he didn't just have a bus ministry. He would win a man to Christ and that he would get men to take a bus home with them. That's what they drove to church. That was their church transportation, and they'd bring it Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And uh, they lived throughout the uh, county there. And at one time, there were 13 buses that came uh, to the church, and I do not know how many hundreds, I don't know how many thousands of people came to know Christ during uh, those years. I am thankful for a godly mom and dad. And if you have one, you ought to thank God for them. You go out and try your own way, you're going to waste your life and come back and say, I wish I'd have listened to mom and dad. Hey, you have a godly grandfather and a grandmother, you ought to pay attention to how their life is turning out. 
One of the things I thought early on in life, I want to be careful about following a young man where I don't know where his life turns out. And so I decided to follow an older generation and I knew where those paths led to. I want to give you five things tonight that I learned from my dad and mom, but give you five things I think that will help us and we ought to learn to be an example of these things. First of all, I learned to love God. To love God. First and foremost, to love God. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Learn to love God. Let, let, let me give you a, a, a truth that's so important. Loving God is not an emotion. Loving God is a decision. You don't say, well, the weather is good, my health is good, God's blessings are good, I sure do love God. What you're saying is, I love what God does for me. It's the same thing as saying, I love ice cream. When you say you love ice cream, you're not telling what you do for ice cream, you're thanking ice cream for what it does for you. Are you with me tonight? But when the Bible says God loved the world, it said God so loved the world that he gave. God's love was not a recipient love. God's love was a giving love. And you and I are not supposed to love God just for what he gives us. We ought to be thankful for that. We ought to love God for who he is. God is the creator. God is the sustainer. God is the giver of joy of everything good and everything right and everything enjoyable and everything eternal. God is the giver of those things. Oh, how we ought to love God. Do you know you're commanded to love God? You may say, well, that doesn't seem right. That's because we have more influence of culture than we do of the scripture. You can decide to love God. You can't give me one reason not to love God. You can't give me one reason as to why we should not or could not love God. You and I ought to love God. I learned to love God in prayer. I remember uh, being awakened in the night and my dad praying beside my bed. I remember family devotions and dad's prayers at night. I remember my dad oftentimes behind the pulpit during the week, laying on his face behind the pulpit, the lights in the building off, and I heard him pray and ask God for his power and his blessings. I heard him ask God, cleanse me, O oh God, make me clean and pure that I can be of service for you. I've seen him walk in the fields and walk on the church property praying for the power of God. He, he taught me not just to love God in prayer, but to love God by learning and knowing God through the Bible. My dad had from the Bible Baptist Fellowship uh, what was called the Articles of Faith, and uh, he had them glued in the back of his Bible, and it was just a long list of Bible doctrines. There wasn't a lot of explanation. It would just say the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and all the verses in the Bible about the uh, Holy Spirit, the person, the power, uh, and the presence and all of that of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God, the doctrine of God, uh, the fall of man, and all of the verses. And my dad had me not only to read those, I memorized a good portion of those because he taught me if you don't know the Bible, you can't know God. 
and you can't love somebody that you don't know. And if you know him, and the more you know him, the more you'll love him. His love for God took him through many difficulties. I've been with my dad in the mountains there we were shot at. I remember we were driving an old 1963 Ford truck. We were coming across Route 80. It's a big road now. It's four-lane road, blacktop. Then they were just building the road, and sections of it was open to drive on. Some of it was even gravel. And I remember we had been over in Knott County at uh, one of uh, my dad's deacon's uh, houses. We were on our way back, and somebody uh, behind us started shooting, and the bullets rang off the truck. My dad said, get in the floorboard. I did. I got down there in the floorboard, and I started praying for God to send Jesus and rapture the church, and please come right now. And, uh, and uh, I remember my dad reaching behind his seat and getting his pistol. He always carried a Smith & Wesson, Smith and Wesson 38. And he put the gun out the window and started shooting back. <laughs> Bootleggers and religious men tried to run my dad out of town. They loved the Lord. He loved God and wouldn't be threatened by men. He would not quit. Little did I know the battles I would face in building buildings and taking a stand for truth and right. I well remember how he taught me to love God. Love God first. Love God foremost. Don't, don't talk about a, not being worried about offending people. Let's be worried about doing right in God's eyes first. You don't decide, who am I going to offend, God or people? Let's just do right. Prayer meetings on Saturday night were a special time of prayer. It wasn't a public call to prayer, but the men of the church knew that my dad prayed, and they'd be a, a group of men that would gather on Saturday evening as a little boy, I'd look through the crack of the double doors in the back of the church and I'd watch them and I'd listen to them as they prayed. And I remember the day my dad said, son, you want to come in and pray with us? Oh, what a blessing it was. I felt like I was in high cotton. I knelt beside my dad on this side of the pulpit every Saturday night. Then my dad would gather with those men around the pulpit. He'd sing the same song every Saturday night. To be like Jesus... To be like Jesus, all I ask to be like him. All through life's journey from earth to glory, all I ask to be like him. Do people know that we love God? I want to love God. I want to be an example of loving God and loving his word. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's the truth. I'm thankful for the example set in loving God. I'll give you the second thing, love people. Take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 12. I said love people. Love people. Notice what the Bible says in Mark chapter 12. And let's go down to verse number 29. Mark 12 and verse number 29. And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. I watched my dad love people. And I learned from that, I learned there's some people that are hard to love. 
There's some people, there's some personalities that are hard to love, that are hard to like. But he didn't love them for who they were. He loved them because they were God's children. He loved children. He would eventually run 13 buses to pick up boys and girls, bring them to Sunday school and church. He loved teenagers. In fact, my dad took eight teenage boys and he built those teenagers into men and those men built the church. They worked together. He would pick them up after school. They worked together on buildings and property. They went soul winning together. They prayed together. I was counseling with a pastor recently who asked, he said, I'm struggling in building my church. How can I, how can I build a church? And I said, well, I'll tell you what my dad did. I said, find you a group of teenagers that you can win to Christ, win as many teens as you can, get as many teens as you can to love God and to serve God. They won't be teenagers very long. They'll grow into men. I watched as these young ladies and young men sang tonight. It's been a blessing as their pastor to watch them grow from birth and uh, running in church and being told don't run and they would stop for three seconds and then they would take off again and, and uh, just, just watching them grow in church and then seeing them serve at camp and hearing them sing in church. Oh, listen to me. We ought to love people. You ought to love your neighbor. That's the Bible, folks. You say, I don't like my neighbor. Well, the Bible says you ought to love your neighbor. And the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty, that's pretty tough, but that's what the Bible says. We ought to love others. I had uh, looked uh, yesterday at my dad's little New Testament. He carried a New Testament in his shirt pocket. And my dad, when he would witness to somebody, if they didn't get saved, he would write their name down in the flyleaf of the Bible. The only way you could get out of that is to get saved or die. And he would pray for them and witness to them until they got saved. Oh, how we need a revival in this country of caring about people. We've got to the place today that we ignore everybody. We just want to live our lives. God didn't leave me here to live my life alone and live it selfishly. He said, I want you to let your light shine. I want you to be salt of the earth. And we ought to learn to love my dad taught me hard work. Taught me to work hard. Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. My dad was a bivocational pastor for several years of his ministry. He worked at the Pepsi-Cola plant and delivered Pepsi-Cola. In those days, there were no Walmarts and just a little country store. Oh, I miss those country stores sitting on the front porch. Uh, drinking Pepsi Cola and moon pies and peanuts, pickle baloney. Uh, we had pickle baloney Sunday, one Sunday. I don't, I don't remember who it was. It may have been Dr. Jorgensen. And, and whoever it was, they hadn't, they, didn't, they hadn't had it before. They smelled it and they thought, man, this don't, this don't smell good. That's the way it's supposed to smell. So they just laid it in the back of their car and left it there. A Yankee candle kitten get rid of, wouldn't get rid of that smell, friend. <laughs> Supposed to eat it, not smell it. I remember, I remember the country stores. My dad drove a Pepsi truck. He later drove a Frito-Lay truck. That was a favorite job of he, for me that he had because he had to check, and when things were out of date, he had to pull them out and report those. 
<laughs> I'd report them and eat them. That's what I would do. I'd write them down. This is outdated. He built the church buildings. I learned to mix mortar. We went to the creek beds and got our sand. We made mortar to lay the block and bricks. We learned to build walls out of two-by-fours or blocks of brick. We learned to hang sheetrock to pour concrete. I learned to use a sledgehammer, a mattock, a shovel, and a wheelbarrow. He was a bus mechanic. He worked hard. I want to tell you something, dear friend. And, and, and by the way, one of his verses he'd preach on often, if any man provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, and he hath denied the faith and worse than them for them. He would give you two cents for a man that wouldn't work. Dad helped me build a chicken lot in the chicken coop so I could raise chickens. Dad taught me how to raise pigs, hogs. He taught me how to raise strawberries and how to sell them. You know what we need? A revival of example of hard work. I'll give you number four. My dad taught me separation from the world. He taught me Bible verses like 1 John 2, 15 and 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the, love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and it's defined, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Son, we're Christians. We're not better than anybody else, but we are children of God. And we ought, ought to be an example of our Christianity, of our faith in Christ on Monday, just like we are on Sunday. Amen. 2 Corinthians 6, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Deuteronomy 22, 5, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth to a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. I used to think that was sort of funny and why in the world would you put that in the Bible? What boy wants to wear a dress? What woman would want to dress like a man? Up to date, isn't it? Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. My dad would pray at night something like this. Dear Lord, I pray that my boys never know what liquor tastes like. I pray that they'd never know what the inside of a movie house looks like. I mean, he'd pray those prayers. I never tasted liquor. I've been in one nightclub. We bought it and made it Gospel Light Baptist Church. <laughs> Used to be the Hillbilly Palace, now it's Gospel Light Baptist Church. There's preaching going on right there. The man, the last bartender, the last I was in there when they tore out the bar and took down the big Budweiser sign. I was there when they tore it out. The last bartender that served liquor in that bar at the other end of the building where the altar's built, 
knelt beside my brother and prayed and received Christ as his personal Savior. I like old-time religion. I've never seen my mother in anything but a dress or a skirt, whether working in the garden, cooking, cleaning house, cleaning the church. We were taught to be an example of Christ to the world, and we need another generation of standard bearers. We don't want to look like the world. We don't want the world to think, hey, folks, we've got to be, we've got to be different than the world in our music and our dress and our attitude and our behavior. We ought to be different. Last of all, and I could preach an hour on this, I won't. Last of all, he taught me faith and prayer. Jeremiah 33, 3 was his favorite verse. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I learned early on in life that prayer works. <laughs> and there's a God in heaven. Hallelujah. I'm glad I learned. I'm glad I heard the prayer that said, Lord, we're just about out of coal in our coal boxes. Lord, it's hard to get right now. Lord, I pray that you'd provide coal for us, for our coal stoves. We didn't have, I tell folks around the country, we didn't have thermostats on our walls. We didn't need them. We didn't have any furnaces or air conditioners. We had coal stoves, and the, our air conditioner was on a stick. The Angle Funeral Home was on one side, and the Good Shepherd was on the other side. That was the air conditioner we had. I can see it right now, standing beside my dad. And he said, look at there, son. See that coal truck coming right there? That's an answer to prayer. He called and asked if we needed coal for our coal stoves. A little boy, I watched as he prayed at the kitchen table on a Sunday night. And I watched him and I heard him cry and say, Lord, we don't have money for our family for groceries this week. Oh, God, you know I love you, and I pray that you'd provide for our family. I have a wife and boys to take care of. Oh, God, will you provide? He went to the, uh, the uh, post office the next day at Chavez, and he came back waving that envelope over his head, had two $100 bills in it, and he said, as he would tell the story, he said, I prayed for it on Sunday. God gave it on Monday, but he mailed it on Friday. Not long after my mom and dad went to the mountains, his sister, Mrs. Baker, who's here tonight, and her husband, Brother Baker, they went to help mom and dad in the church, gave their life, sacrificed by faith. I'm glad tonight that I've learned Bible truth, but I'm glad... I've seen a few examples of those that don't just know it, but live it. We ought to be an example to the brethren. Stand with me if you will. Love God. Love people. Work hard. Be separate from the world. And live by faith. Heavenly Father.